0: God is always trying to grow us up in grace. So grace is something that we received when we first said yes to Jesus, but grace is something that we get to grow in every single day. I am very aware in my own life that every day is a day for God to grow me up in grace. A deeper understanding of grace, the ability to see what God has done for me in Christ.
1: Who is Jesus really? This is a question that people have been asking for hundreds of years. Today on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel begins a news series from Paul's letter to the Colossians, looking to give you the answers that you seek. Through this series, you'll get a clearer picture of the person of Jesus, who he is, what he did, and why it matters. And as you'll see, recognizing and growing in God's grace is a great place to begin this journey. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Colossians chapter one as he begins his message Jesus is, Jesus is preeminent.
0: So in every generation, Jesus is the absolute most important person. But if you read history at all, what you realize is that everybody has a different take on who Jesus is. And and in every culture, even in our present cultural moment, there's lots of different views on who is this prophet, this rabbi that we know came from Nazareth, born in Bethlehem. It's almost like sometimes when you talk to people about who Jesus is, you're almost asking like, well, will the real Jesus of Nazareth please stand up? Because there's so many visions of who Jesus is. Jesus, the great teacher. Jesus, the great prophet. Jesus, the miracle worker. You know, Jesus, the rebel. Jesus is your homeboy. Jesus, the domesticated person. There's so many different views on who Jesus is. And because of that, it is the most important thing that we look at. Who is Jesus really? And there's only one place to find who Jesus truly is, and that's the scriptures. The Bible, because listen, we can people can do revisionist history all they want. People can run out fake news all they want. But in the end of the day, Jesus is who he is. And the people who walked with him through this world, the people in that first generation were the nearest to the story. I mean, I wish that YouTube existed when Jesus was around. I mean, could you imagine watching the feeding of the 5,000 on YouTube? Could you imagine watching the ascension of Jesus on video. Could you imagine if you went on to Twitter and sure enough we see Lazarus walk out of that tomb? I mean, that would be unbelievable, right? It would be just the coolest video's ever. But We need to make sure that we understand who Jesus is because Jesus is God in flesh. Jesus is the ultimate example of who we ought to be, how we ought to live, and God has a plan for all of us that no matter where we come from, no matter where our journeys have begun from, God wants to do a work of transforming each one of us to become more and more like Jesus every single day. And so today I am excited with uh, fear and trembling, so to speak, to start a brand new series looking at an amazing book of the Bible called Paul's Letter to the Colossians, and a series that I'm calling Understanding Jesus. So I want you to open up your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 to 16. We're going to take that today. The church in Colossae was a church where there was a lot of dispute over who Jesus was. There was cultural ideas, there was spiritual ideas of the day, there was different uh, disputes going on in the church in Colossae, and that area about, you know, what true spirituality is, who God is, and of course, this played very much into their view of who Jesus was, and so the Apostle Paul writes this letter to this church, and he's really trying to help them understand who Jesus truly is, to see Jesus clearly. And there's a lot in this section of scripture. I, you know, as I've been preparing to share this with you all, it's hard because there's there's so much to talk about. And but we're really going to focus in on who is Jesus. And so, if you're new to the Bible, if you're flipping through it, the Book of Colossians is after Paul's letter to the Philippians. Before before the Apostle Paul's letters to First and second Thessalonians. And so if you're in the New Testament, you have the Gospels, you have the Acts of the Apostles, then you have Paul's letters, right? So you have Romans, first and second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then there it is, Colossians. So Colossians chapter one, and we're just going to jump right on in. We're going to cover a lot of ground today. Look what it says in verse one. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse three, we give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you, as it has also in all the world, and is bringing forth fruit, as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God and truth, as you also learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. And so, as the Apostle Paul opens up this letter to the church in Colossae, he, he begins by reminding all of us that if you really want to understand Jesus, you and I, we need to praise God, and we need to pray for each other. We need, we need to praise God, and we need to pray for one another, because really what we have going on here is the Apostle Paul, as he begins this letter, begins this letter how he begins almost all of his letters, where he's, first there's that little introductory section, who's writing this, who's with him, who the recipient of the letter is, and then right away, Paul jumps into praising God and praying for people, right? And, and, and one of the ways that we understand who Jesus is, when we choose to, to praise God for who he is, you're acknowledging, we praise God because we acknowledge who he is, and then we pray for people. So if we jump into this text here and we see what's going on, notice Paul's writing the letter, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. So Paul's this, he's an apostle of Jesus. He's one who is sent, and, and it's by God's will, because he sees in his own story the fact that God has done a work in him, and God has called him to this. And so he's walking in the will of God for himself, and of course, he's got Timothy, his brother there, and, and Timothy got two letters written to him by the apostle Paul, first and second Timothy. He was a, a, a man who had a Jewish grandmother and a Jewish, and a Jewish mother who taught him the scriptures, a Gentile father, and, and, and he was somebody who Paul had invested a ton of his life in him, and, and he was somebody who journeyed with Paul, and so they're writing this letter, and it's to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ. They're in the area of Colossae. So you might be saying, well, well you know, where's Colossae at? So it was in the, the Lucas Valley, which was about 100 miles east of Ephesus in Asia Minor. So in present-day Asia Minor, it was it was in this valley area there and there was two other cities in the same valley Hierapolis and Laodicea you've heard of them in the New Testament all in the same kind of region there in Asia Minor and so he writes this letter to them and as he always says you know grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and and this was a common greeting But it's always important and I never want to skip it because even though maybe we've gotten to study lots of uh, Paul's letters together as you know, as a church family, maybe you've been listening to the radio or the TV or you, you pick it up online or wherever you pick these things up. Listen, the only way to have true peace is to know the grace of God. Grace always precedes peace. See, and that's why it's important for us to remember that because everybody wants peace. But really, it's impossible to have peace without understanding the grace of God that comes in Christ. And so the ordering of the words grace to you and peace, it's the proper order. And because true grace comes from the Father by the Spirit because of Jesus, right? And so you need to know the grace of God. And one of the things that I love so much about who the Lord is, is that God is always trying to grow us up in grace, So grace is something that we received when we first said yes to Jesus, but grace is something that we get to grow in every single day. I am very aware in my own life that every day is a day for God to grow me up in grace, a deeper understanding of grace, the ability to see what God has done for me in Christ, how important what the cross means to me. And so every situation we find ourselves in, it's an opportunity to grow in grace, to to have a deeper understanding of it a more profound experience of our need for grace. And I always like to remind people, that's why the the oldest people, who, the people who've walked the longest on the earth should be the most humble people because they've seen their failings with more data than everybody else, just given time served. And the more you realize how much you fail, the more you are aware of how great God's grace is. And how much you need it. I, as a young pastor, a pastor said to me, well, you know, young pastors preach about sin and old pastors preach about grace. And I always thought, like, wow, that's really powerful because when you're young, you're like, this is wrong and this is wrong. And then when you're older, you're like, yeah, this is all wrong, but really let's talk about Jesus and his grace. And as a young pastor, I'm like, I want to preach about grace as a young pastor, right? Like, I, I don't, I don't want to get that stuff backwards. And so every day is a day to grow in grace. And then Paul begins his introduction we give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So remember, it says we, give, we, we praise God. We give thanks to God. And in a lot of ways, a, a cure for a lot of what ills our society today is just the simple ability to stop and thank God for what you do have. We live in a culture that could be pretty bent on all the things we don't have. Like, oh, man, it'd be so much better if this was this way and this was this way. And all those things may be true, but when you stop and say, God, I'm thankful that I'm here today to be able to wish I had things differently. You know, I was just talking with someone about this recently and we were talking about marriage and they were talking, they had gone through, they had a big blowout with their spouse and I'm like, hey, listen, you know, at least you have a spouse to have a blowout with. They kind of looked at me like, excuse me? I'm like, hey, like, there's lots of people who wish they had a spouse to blow with. People whose spouses have gone home to be with the Lord, right? And they're like, oh, man, I just wish I could just have a fight with them. And so we have to learn how to take a moment and praise God for what he has already done. And the fact that we're here today we can praise God for that. The fact that you're listening, maybe you're listening on your phone because your house internet is bad. Listen, you have a phone. I was telling my kids this the other day. It was, they was cracking them up. They were saying, Oh man, why do you limit our screen time? I'm like, look, when I was your age, even like the phone was attached to the wall. And they're like, what? I'm like, no, it was like on the wall. Like you had to stand next to the wall to be on the phone. And I'm like, and you couldn't like text somebody on that thing? And then I was telling them how the early internet, you needed to use the phone line to get on the internet. So like, wait, well, you couldn't make a call and be on the internet? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, man, that must have been so hard. I'm like, I didn't know any different, right? There's there's so much to be able to praise God for, You know, right? And so so we want to praise God, right? And then we also want to pray for one another because Paul says in verse three, praying always for you. So in all these different places, Paul's a person of prayer. And he's not just praying for himself. He's praying for other people, you because right, Jesus ever lives to make intercession for the saints. And so we get to understand Jesus more when we step into, I'm going to pray for other people. I'm going to pray for this situation and that situation. I'm going to pray for this person and that. And because really what it is, is you're stepping outside of your own self and you're moving into, this is what God has. And Paul is praying for the church in Colossae because he likes the testimony he's hearing about them. Look at what it says. Verse 4, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus... And of your love for all the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel that has now come to you. Now, don't miss that. Do you notice the faith, hope, and love of verses four and five? That the triplets of Christian virtue. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, your love for all the people of God, the saints, and your hope which is laid up for you in heaven. And of course, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13 tells us, and now abide faith, hope, and love. These three, and the greatest of these is love. And my friends, listen. Right now, we need to abide in faith, hope, and love. These three, the three triplets of Christian virtue. Now, what I love so much, of course, our faith is in The Lord Jesus Christ. And so, in a sense, you know, faith is upward towards God. Right? So, so we have faith in, we have faith in Christ. So it's faith is that upward component of it. And then, of course, love is our outward component. The love for all the saints. Now, you guys know where I'm going with this. If you've been around crosses at all, I love talking about upward, inward, and outward because we get it from Jesus' greatest commandment. We live upward, inward, and outward. Right, We we love the Lord our God. We love our neighbors outward as we love ourselves. And so if faith is upward and love is outward, what is hope? Inward. Hope's a disposition of the heart that, that knows that God is doing the work and that the story is not yet written. And so for each one of us, we, we live upward, inward, and outward. And here we're living upward with faith. We're living outward in love. And we're letting hope grip our hearts in the midst of what's going on. How are you doing with that? Are you abiding faith, hope, and love upward, inward, and outward right now where you are? We should be praying for one another for that. Will you do me a favor? Will you pray for me with that? I'll pray for you with that. Lord, that you would let us live upward, that we would have the simple faith of children in Jesus, that we would live outward by loving people, loving the saints, and that, Lord, that we would live inward, and we would let that hope captivate our hearts so that we move through this world differently, like the church in Colossae. You know, and then the last thing I want to bring out right here in this section, because there's lots of ground to cover Notice in verse 7, as you also learn from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, most people would say that Epaphras is the person who founded the church in Colossae. God used him as the faithful minister to them. And Epaphras also shared with Paul and Timothy in verse 8, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. And don't miss the fact, faith, hope, and love, it comes through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So again, just as there's, you can only have peace if you first have grace, We can only abide in faith, hope, and love through the ministry of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us because of our faith in Jesus. And so if right now you're like, but my faith is really waning, I don't have a lot of love for people, and I'm not really hopeful, then you have to say, oh, Lord, will you do a work of renewal, a revolution of my heart by your Spirit, Lord? Will you will you fill up the, the empty places? Will you do a work in me, God? Because this all happens through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, picking up in verse 9, it says this. Again, Colossians chapter 1. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Now, as Paul unpacks more how he's praying for the church in Colossae, really what we learn here is that if you want your life to reflect who Jesus is, we should seek to be filled and fully pleasing. We should seek to be filled and fully pleasing because this is exactly what Paul is praying for the church in Colossae. He's praying that they would be, notice, that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So a great, you want to pray for people? Pray that they would be filled with all the knowledge and all the wisdom and all the spiritual understanding that that God would grant the people of God to have spiritual wisdom and discernment. You know, in a lot of ways, a lot of the mistakes we make in our life is because we're lacking wisdom. We don't understand God's will. We don't have the knowledge of his will. Like, God, what are you trying to do right now in this situation? That we're lacking spiritual understanding. So we should be praying that we should be filled with these things. And that because we're filled with the knowledge of his will, wisdom, and spiritual understanding, then we live our lives being well-pleasing or fully pleasing to God. That you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. And for it's one of the great differences between somebody who believes in Jesus and is following Jesus and someone who's not. It's the question of who are you trying to please in this world? Because for most of us, we're trying to please, maybe it's our parents, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, depending on what they want for you. Maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a friends or a peer group or some idea of this is the person I'm supposed to please. But for the person who has put their faith and trust in Jesus, when we call Jesus Lord, really what we're doing is we're saying, I want my life to be fully pleasing to you, Jesus, even if nobody else is pleased with me. Like, Lord, your will is the most important thing. And so, God, I want not just my belief structure, but the way that I walk through this world to be worthy of you, fully pleasing to you. And I think that that's something that's really, really powerful. You have to ask yourself, who are you really trying to please right now? Because, listen, I've been living in this world long enough and I've had enough experience to realize that like, you can believe in Jesus but not really be too focused on pleasing him. You're trying to please everybody else. I want people to like me. I I want people to think well of me. I want people to say nice things about me. Or if I do this, then they'll stop nagging me. We have all these reasons we make decisions. But really what we learn here is that we want to walk worthy of the Lord, being fully pleasing to him. And then the apostle Paul begins to like almost bullet point. Like you want to be fully pleasing to the Lord? What should happen? Fruitful in every good work. So God's interested in fruitfulness, John chapter 15 speaks about this, that we should be increasing in the knowledge of God. Hey, guess what? That's why we're doing this series on Colossians it's called Understanding Jesus. As we go verse by verse, book by book, through, through the scriptures, you, you increase in the knowledge of who is God? What is he up to? What's he doing? You know, and, and then look what else he says here, that you may be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. There's a spiritual strengthening that happens. That that as we move through the world and as we trust in Jesus, there's this spiritual building up that happens. We're working out, spiritually speaking, right? And and as we're doing that, look, for all patience and long-suffering with joy. You want to know if you're getting built up spiritually? Are you more patient? Are you long-suffering? Do you have more joy? And then again, you, you praise God more often. Paul said it this way to the church in Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Verses one and two. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. See, God is pleased by the ways that we move through this world, our walk. You know, in the Hebrew, it's the idea of the, of the journey, the path, right? And, and that following Jesus is a journey through different stages and situations of life. And we want to carry ourselves through this journey that we're on in a way that is well pleasing to the Lord. That would, Lord, this is how you want me to handle this situation. So, we need to make sure that we are seeking to be filled up with him and fully pleasing to the Lord. Now, as we move on to verse 13 here, Colossians chapter 1, what it says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence.
1: Jesus is real. When you pray for others, what do you pray for? Today, Pastor Daniel shared that Paul prayed that people would be filled with spiritual wisdom and understanding. He knew that as God fills you up, you'll walk closer to him. And when your beliefs and your actions follow after God's heart, you'll be fully pleasing to the Lord. Pastor Daniel reminded you that you serve an audience of one. It's really easy to want to live to please the people in your life. But getting God's stamp of approval is far more important.
0: I'm so excited about what Jesus is doing through this ministry to change lives and restore his people. Would you consider partnering with us as we continue to share the message of Jesus here on Jesus Is Real Radio? You can find out more and donate securely online at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for prayerfully considering this.
1: Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will continue looking at what Paul has to say about who Jesus is. As we dive deeper into the book of Colossians, you'll find that Jesus is the great deliverer. Through the redemption and forgiveness that he offers, Jesus moves people from being an enemy of God to a member of his family. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Understanding Jesus. Until then, may God bless.